Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Luke chapter 19. So good to see our visitors in the house of the Lord today. God bless you. Let's give our visitors a good round of applause. We're glad you're here today. Praise God. And I'm having a cup of coffee after church, and if you're a visitor, I'd love to have one with you. Luke chapter 19, I'm going to set the stage for this before I read only the two verses that I'm going to read in your hearing. Jerusalem will one day be besieged and leveled by the Roman general Titus. And before that happens, Jesus prophesies in Luke 19 and 43 and says, The days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another. Everything is going to be flat because you knew not the time of your visitation. You didn't know when I was going to come. You didn't know when this was going to happen. You weren't aware of my presence in your everyday life. The many times that I came to you, you were unaware of a visitation from God. If you're a visitor here today, if you didn't feel the presence of God, I don't know where you were. Surely the presence, Jacob said, of the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. There's a visitation of God for just you today. And I want to preach to you for a few minutes on this subject. What have I got time for? What have I got time for? God bless you. You may be seated. Hi. My name is Jane. I am a TV addict. Omni-calculators were able to calculate how to improve my lifestyle and health with less viewing of TV and movies. They asked me three questions. Number one, my age. Number two, how many hours of viewing do I have per day? I told them four. And how many words can I read per minute? And I said, 280. They said that if I would spend that time exercising, I could lose 3.92 pounds per week and live an extra 10 years. If I spent the four hours reading, I could read 438.3 books per year. They were unable to calculate not eating a pint of ice cream in front of the TV for four hours. The question becomes, what have I got time for? I want you to think about this for a minute. There are clocks everywhere in this room right now. Everywhere. They might be on the end of your wrist. They might be on that cell phone that you're holding. There's a clock on the back wall. Everywhere, 
time is displayed. It's very difficult not to know what time it is, and yet we can still be very late for appointments, even though we are aware of what time it is, because we fail to prepare adequately with our time. We fail to prepare adequately with our time. So the question then becomes, not does one man have more time than another, but what do we do with the time that we have? Everybody gets 24 hours every day. And the way that we spend our time reveals our priorities, whereas the way we spend our money reveals our values. I'd like you to read with me from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, if you'd turn there. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 And verse 1, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. There's a time to be born and there's a time to die. There's a time to plant and there's a time to pluck up that which is planted. There's a time to kill and there's a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and there's a time to dance. There's a time to cast away stones and there's time to, cast, to gather stones together. There's a time to embrace and there's a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to get. There's a time to lose. There's a time to keep and a time to cast away. There's a time to rend, and there's a time to sow. There's a time to keep silence, and there's a time to speak. There's a time to love, and there's a time to hate. There's a time to war, and there's a time of peace. There's time. And what we do with our time is so important. So. I want to give you this little visual illustration today about time, about time. I thought about it, and yesterday I spent 24 hours, and so did you. And for a few minutes today, with the allotted time that I want to stay in, I want you to think about how you spent it. How did you spend time? Most of you did not work your job yesterday. Most of you had a a day to work at your house or, or to do your stuff, so to speak. How did you spend your time? Do you know that when people are dying, the number one thing they ask for, think about it. They don't ask for more money. They don't ask for more possessions, they ask for more time. I just want to go on living a quality of life. Time, the older you get, the more valuable it becomes. It becomes more valuable. I have decided that there are some things that I will no longer have any time for. 
I don't have time for unforgiveness. I don't have time for bitterness. I don't have time for prideful people. Self-righteous, arrogant people. I'm sorry. I just don't have any more time for you. I'm going to choose wisely what I do with my time and who I spend my time with. Because you see, I'm running out of time. And the pleasures of sin are for but a season. They may seem to be valuable at the moment, but there will come a time when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There will come a time, a time of judgment, and I need to be careful with the way that I spend my time and I spend my words and the things that I do with my thoughts. I need to be careful with my time. On the other hand, I need to make time for some other things in my life. Some other things that I, I think we should be very careful about. Many of you may get up in the morning and you know what time you have to be at work. You know how long it takes to get there. You've figured out some basic hygiene things and so you work backwards. If you start at a certain time and, and you know all of those things take you 45 minutes, you may get up 45 minutes before you go to work and you can still make it on time. But if you follow that procedure, you will spend a lot of time in frustration and worry about things that you should have spent time praying about. I have a, I have a good friend, and he said something to me the other day, that, and it really stuck with me. He said, you know, I've heard people say this saying. They've said, I've got this. And my interpretation of that is, I can do this on my own. I don't need your assistance. I've got this. Do you know that when we do not give any time to God in the morning, what we're saying about our day is, I got this. I got this, God. I can handle this. By the way, if I have any trouble, that's the time I'll call for you. You got other things to do and other people that need your help. Listen, Martin Luther King said, I pray two hours every day. Two hours every day, starting first thing in the morning. Because my day is so busy and so packed that if I didn't spend those two hours in prayer, my day would be a mess. And it made me think, how many times have I overslept or failed to prepare time to be with God and had a bad day? 
Because I said to God, I got this. Let me tell you how I think God views time. He doesn't wear a wristwatch. I don't think there are any clocks in heaven. There are no cell phones. It's just direct communication. I think God, I know that you're going you're gonna to probably smile at this. I think God is waiting for me to wake up in the morning. Hup! His eyes are open. What's he going to do with his time today? If I continue to waste my life, my 24-hour increments, why should God continue to give me time? Why? If all I'm going to do with it is waste it, why would he give it to me? Time is one of the most valuable things that you have. Do you know that Vince Lombardi said, we never lost one game. We just ran out of time. If we could have kept playing, my players were in better condition and we would have won. We just ran out of time. Folks, I, I want to encourage you. I'm Please don't think that this is a negative message. This is not a negative message. I'm here to encourage you. Take baby steps if you have to. But please, when you get up in the morning, try something like this. Good morning, Jesus. What are we going to do today? I need you, Jesus. I need you to walk with me. I need you to direct me. I need you to empower me. I don't want to live one minute without you. And take time to read his word and listen to what God has to say. Make sure that you make time for God. I had an interesting thought the other day. I'm going I'm to take you back in time. I'm going to take you to the previous century. How would you like to go back to the previous century? I'm going to take you back to the mid to late 60s. When my, my wife, Liz, and I were dating in high school. Now, my father, future father-in-law decided that since there was only one phone and an extension, that Liz and I would only be able to talk 15 minutes per day. 15 minutes. These are the days in the late 60s when phones were mounted on walls. And initially... You only had one phone and one phone number per household. Later on, through advanced technology, 
they came up with an extension phone. This could be plugged in in a different room of the house, and this is how parents listened in on their children's conversations. (laughs) And you could be really discreet at it. You pick it up very gently. This is how parents get information about the relationships of their children. And he always answered the phone when I called. Yes. Uh, Sir, this is Rick Kiley. I was wondering if I could please speak to Liz for just a few minutes. You got 15 minutes. After that, I'm hanging the phone up. He said it that way. When you only have 15 minutes, you write down bullet points. <laughs> and I would do that. But we outfoxed the rascal. We wrote love letters. And you know how we exchanged them? Not by the mail, because he'd have caught that. No, no, no. We would exchange letters in her mailbox. When it was dark, I would come by with my car, and I would take hers, and I would put mine in the mailbox, knowing that her father was going to make her walk the dog after supper. That's how we communicated. And do you know why we communicated that way? Because we were in love with each other and we were limited in our... Time. Time. Isn't it amazing that when you fall in love with somebody and you want them to fall in love with you, you lose track of time. Isn't it, when's the last time you were ever in a service and you felt the presence and the power of God in your life and you stopped looking at your watch and thinking about how you wanted to be the first one at the restaurant and you just said, I don't care. I'm just going to stay here and enjoy the presence of the Lord as long as I can. I am in no hurry because this is my time with God. And I want to hear and I want to feel and I I want to love on God for some time. For some time. And you lose track of time. How many of you ever broke a curfew? You will be in by 12 o'clock. If you are not in by 12 o'clock, there will be a punishment. You will be grounded. That's terminology that this generation does not understand. It means you lose your privileges and you stay in the house. Because you violated the time that I set up for you to be in by. That's the way parents talked in the and the way that things were done. 
I'm going to get off script here. I, I just feel like sharing some things with you that I think are important. And I know my wife won't be able to follow me in my notes, and that's okay. But I, I just really feel to tell you some things today that, that are really important that I've learned about time. I've learned these things about time. I need to be selective. When I was a young man, do you, do you know, can you believe this? I was 27 years old when I first started pastoring. 27. I worked a full-time job, pastored the people that I had, taught as many Bible studies as I could during the week. My life was very active. We already had two children. So I had a wife, two children, and a lot of responsibility. And when you got a lot on your plate, one of the smartest things you can do if you've got an extremely busy day is after you've prayed, list the things that you feel need to be accomplished in a day and then prioritize them. And the ones that you don't get to, they'll be there tomorrow. But prioritize your day. I was not doing a very good job of that when I was in my late 20s or even my early 30s. I remember a time when my wife said something to me that, that really shook me up. She said, honey, I think I need to set up an appointment with you. Pastors have a lot of appointments during the week. But when my wife said to me, I think I need to set up an appointment with you, that rocked my world. My wife should not need an appointment with me. Oh, now it's going to get quiet, huh? You're going to get quiet on me now? So you know what I did? I started setting up dates with my wife. By the end of the month, we had our next month planned for dates. We would set up our vacations in January and in February when it was so cold outside. What are we going to do this year? Where are we going to go? I would set them up and, and we would put them on the calendar. Date night was such and such for the month of March coming up. This is what we're going to do. It works, folks. It really does. But if you don't schedule it, it doesn't happen. How many of you have ever said to yourself, I'd really like to get together with this family or that family in the church, and it never happens? You know why? Because it didn't get scheduled. If it is not on the calendar, it does not exist. And what you're really saying is, I don't have time for that or for them. I have learned that even if I have to set up a time weeks in advance with somebody, at least it's on the calendar and it will be accomplished. But you gotta start, if you're married, you gotta start with your spouse. You gotta make time for your spouse after God.
And the mistake that I was making, and I pray you will not make this mistake, was I got my priorities mixed up. Oh, I kept God first. I, I said, man, I'm doing God's will. I'm pastoring, I'm teaching Bible studies. I've got to be in, the, in God's will. But I was neglecting my marriage. And I was neglecting my family. And I had put my ministry before them. Let me make myself perfectly clear. God is first. Family is second. Do not make your job your number one priority. Do not make your ministry your number one priority. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to work, and when you go to work, you give your very best. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But I remember when I worked at Pittsburgh Paint, a guy named Jim Smith, he had a big red beard, he looked like a leprechaun. And Jim Smith came to me and he said, hey Rick, he said, you know what? You could be a supervisor here at Pittsburgh Paint. You could climb the ladder here and be in management instead of on the floor doing what you're doing now in assembly. And I said, Jim, I do this for a living, but this is not my life. I do this to provide for my family, but I'm not interested in the corporate family. I'm not interested in climbing the ladder of success. That was in a position after the other things that were more important in my life. People have lost their marriages, even lost their children, because they spent their time inappropriately. And what has a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his own marriage or his own family. And I remember too, I rem let, me, let me share this with you. I'm just unloading the wagon here because I think some of this should be able to be related to you. I have seen preacher's kids lose out with God. And there are usually two reasons. Number one, they live in a fishbowl, and people can be extremely hard on your kids. Oh, you're the pastor's kid. We expect more out of you than we expect out of other people. Why? Why? And, and they, they see, they not only see the, the best, but they see the worst of people. They see the fighting, the hypocrisy that goes on with some people. And they say, man, I, I want to stay as far away from that as I possibly can. That's one reason. But there's another reason. And sometimes that reason is that the pastor and his wife have made them secondary citizens. You just get along, okay? I got a lot going on here. And we don't spend time with them. Just, just go watch TV. Go watch a movie. Go hang out with your friends. What is the message that I as a pastor or a pastor's wife or a parent of any sort am sending my, to my children when I don't want to spend time 
valuable time with my children. What's the message? You're not as important as the church is. You're not as important as my ministry is. I don't have time for you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take off on this. When does a son or a daughter, a boy or a girl, become a man or a woman? When does that take place? I know, please don't, don't misunderstand me. I know that as a parent I have responsibility and I can't be your buddy when I'm trying to raise you. And I think that's a big mistake that a lot of parents try to make. Well, you know, you're my friend, you're my buddy, I'll just let you have whatever you want, you can do whatever you want, because I want you to like me. I think that's a mistake. But we can go to the other extreme too. We can. When do they become, when is it their time to be called a man or a woman? Think about it. What what would your answer be? Is it, well, when they graduate from school, high school or college, that's when they're a man or a woman. Is it when they move out of your house? Is that what makes them a man or a woman? Is it when they can provide for themselves or, or for a spouse or for a family? Is that when they become a man or a woman? What is it that we judge them by or classify them as? What maturity level do we call them a man or a woman? Do you know there are people that are in their 40s and we still treat them like kids? Maybe it's, maybe it's my background, but I remember when I was in my 20s how difficult it was for me to be talked down to by adults. I couldn't earn, seem to earn their respect. I couldn't get their approval. Should we repeat that? Or should we learn from it? Do you know that Jesus not only called us children, but he also called us friends? Do you, do you know, I think that, and maybe it's because I'm a little older now and my kids are older, but, but I'm not raising them anymore. They're my friends. They're on a socially equal level. I enjoy being with my kids. And you know what's even better than kids? Grandkids! Yes! Grandkids are awesome. But if you don't spend the proper time with your children, you might not have any grandchildren. Anybody ever hear a song called Cats in the Cradle? Another golden oldie about how the parent didn't have any time for his children and when his children got older and he, now he had all kinds of time, they didn't have time for him. 
Anybody ever hear the story about the little boy that, that said to his father, Dad, how much do you make an hour? And he said, I make $30 an hour. And he went and saved until he got $30 and came back and said, Dad, now can I have an hour? Here's $30. It should break our hearts to hear stories like that. What's most important in your life? What are you doing with your time? Because it'll get away from you. That little boy is now a man. He's probably bigger than you. And then he becomes 40. I got one of those. I got this 40-year-old son, and I'm thinking to myself, what were you thinking when you were 40? I was thinking about midlife crisis. I've lived over half my life, maybe. I'm thinking about when I was young and how I could bend down and touch my toes. And now I'm just glad to be able to even see my toes. (laughs) Because time has changed my life. And it's changing yours. And we need to be extremely careful with the way that we spend our time. Okay. I want one more thing, Sister Kylie, and then I'm going to quit. I want to go to the book of Acts. Somebody wants some of your time. Do you hear the phone? That was an unscheduled prop. I want you to get this and then I'll quit today. Do you remember Jesus at the ascension? He said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be undued with power from on high. Until means don't pay attention to the clock. Just stay there. How long, Jesus? I got to know. I got to have a slip for my boss. You stay there until. We need more of a determination. Oh, man. When we come to the altar of God. God, I'm here for you to talk to me. You got 30 seconds. No, we come to the altar and say, God, take all the time you want. God's willing to listen and put up with you. He gives you all the time. He never says, I'm too busy, I'm not, I'm not listening to you today. And yet, we try and put time restrictions on God. Jacob said, I will not leave you. I will not let you go unless you bless me. We're going to be here all night. We're going to be here tomorrow, the next day, until I get what I came for. That's the way we need to be with God. 
and our time with him. So he said that they were to wait. Acts chapter 2 says, and when the day, a specific day, had been set aside in the annals of history for the very first outpouring of God's Spirit. The line of demarcation is the day of Pentecost when it was fully come. A day for a Jew begins at 6 a.m., not midnight, 6 a.m. The day of Pentecost was fully come. They were in one accord and in one place. And suddenly, that refers to time too. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house in which they were sitting, and there appeared cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. When did it happen? On a specific day. The day of God's visitation and outpouring was the day of Pentecost. And when people began to talk to Peter and say, These must be drunk. He said, these aren't drunk as you suppose, seeing it is but the third, third hour of the day. A specific time. And God had it all planned. And it came off like clockwork. Do you know, if you're a visitor here today and it's your first time or maybe you've been coming a few times, do you know that God set up this appointment for you? He set it up. No man comes to God except the Spirit of God draws him. People can invite you and that's a good thing. But you're not coming unless God moves in you. And says, hey, you need to be there. Check it out. And then you come. And you say, where have I been all my life? How come I never heard this message before? How come I've never felt the presence of God in my life like I felt it today? And when the preacher says, and I'll be saying it in just a few moments, I want to invite you to this altar on your day of visitation. That leads into the very moment, the very time that God can bring a miracle to your life. He can fix what is broken. He can heal what is sick. He can save that which is lost. He can forgive those who need forgiveness. He can fill all that is empty because God has time for you. And you need to make time for God.
Time for God. What will you do with your time? Verse 37 of the same chapter, when Peter preached his short message, they heard this and they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What do we do from this point forward? Now that we know what we've missed with our time, what's next? And Peter said unto them, repent, when? Right now. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. When should I do that? Right now. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when can I receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? Right now. Because today is the day of salvation. I may not be able to give you an exact hour because you may need to stay here for a while. I remember the day that I received the Holy Ghost, June the 5th. I remember it. You know how I remember it? Because I determined on that Sunday night service that I was never going to leave the altar again until I received the Holy Ghost. Now Satan will say, come back next week. And then he'll fight you all week long and try and keep you from being here. Because he knows it's your time. Let's stand together. Jesus, I pray today that we would do a better job, starting with Rick Kiley. If you didn't preach to anybody else, you preach to me, Lord. Help me to do a better job of spending my time wisely. I pray, Lord, today that this altar and this invitation that's being made to people will be taken seriously because no man knows the day nor the hour that you could come. Nobody knows if this might be their last service, their last opportunity. Even the inscription on this very pulpit says, preach it as if it were your last. So I pray today, Lord, that we would do a better job of spending our time with you your will, those we love, and the purpose and the season that we're living in. Help us to be prepared for your coming. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.